welcome to Smart Bear Live with Jason Cohen, brought to you by SoftwarePromotions.com. In this episode, esteemed investor Mark Suster joins Jason to coach Dan from SyncBlock. This is also the first Smart Bear Live to be sponsored by our friends at Software Promotions. If you make great software and want to sell more of it, visit SoftwarePromotions.com. My name is uh, Dan Bowen. I'm up in uh, the wine country in Hillsburg, California, north of San Francisco. And the company name is SyncBlock, S-Y-N-C-B-L-O-C. SyncBlock. Well, I know what Sync is, but Block, that, that feels like a, um, a set of entities working together for a common goal. I guess their goal, maybe Sync allows them to do that, to, to become a Block and synchronize their efforts. So I think it's for... Uh, for people that are trying to uh, do a political movement together, it allows them to get on the same page and be organized so that they're more powerful than they were individually. Oh, come on. That's way off base. I'm going to tell you what it is. <laughs> sync, sync block is a place that takes incredibly large files that are all stuck on your offline non-cloud service and helps you sync it with the cloud. We all know the success of Dropbox, but let's be honest, it's really used for small documents and images and stuff like that. When you really need to sync big stuff, you need sync block. <laughs> well, I, I, I obviously haven't uh, uh, been memorializing your memory yet, Mark, but no, it's, uh, it's best thought of as CRM for families, uh, individuals, and the businesses and organizations that interact with the most. Oh, crap, so. this is Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I should have yeah. put it together that this is I know exactly what you do that's unfair uh, <laughs> that's what your and that's what your name is I look Dan so I know exactly what your company does I know exactly who you are I should have put two and two together when I realized you were in the wine country yeah, um, well, you know, yeah the, the, the brand hasn't stuck in my brain so much as the whiskey has uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that's the right name for what you do, because what you do is more of a consumer proposition. And I think the word sync is very technical and a very technocratic kind of IT sync up my crap kind of stuff. And, you know, if I were you, I'd look for not that you're looking for this advice, but I'd look for a simplified brand. No, understood. I've I've certainly gotten that feedback. So uh, we've we've gone back and forth on it. And uh, you know, I'd add to that uh, when you, when you describe it as CRM, um, you know, we we you and I know what that is. We know what a CRM is. But I bet you're the, these these people you're selling to almost none of them know what it is. And anyway, it, again, it sounds corporate. So although that's fine because you you had your little phrase that communicates it. But aren't you anyway going to need a little phrase that communicates it to your actual end users to put on your website? I think you'll need that phrase anyhow, so you might as well also have that phrase instead of saying CRM, even if that's what it is. So is it like a shared uh, family sort of um, contact list and calendar and stuff like that? Like, what is it? Well, our, our goal is really, to, improve, really to, to, to get beyond search social and, and uh, kind of the inefficiencies that search social and mobile have introduced to us. I mean, I know that wait, we wait, all wait. think about There's no way families are st- sitting around saying, man, if only somebody could have reduced the inefficiencies that search social. Like, there's no way this is the language anyone uses. If I talk to a family and you showed them this, as one screenshot of this, what would, um, you know, what would, what would they say it is for them? Well, finally, the family's organized, or now I know what Billy's calendar is when he changes it. Like, what, what is it that they would say it is? Well, it's, it's uh, I think you started to mention it. It's, it's rich contact management, event planning, notification services, and, and kind of task management, but at the family level and connecting 
uh, individuals to those uh, businesses and organizations they interact with most um, with critical information. And I think that we, we get lost in search and social can, today. Can you, can you give me an example? Can, can you give an example of something where it really sucks for a family, but if they had this, it would be super easy? Like, the dentist keeps changing the appointment, and I never know when I, if I'm taking Billy to school or you are. And But poof, now they have this, and dad just I'll takes take a look one, and says, oh, step. I'm taking him to school. Like, what's the deal? Take it even one step easier than that. Do you have okay. a telephone number for your dentist in your phone? Does your wife have the same telephone number? Do you have your, you know, the insurance that's related to that? Okay. I think the, the, the problem that we have right now is that we've got amazing tools in our pocket. We've got amazing calendar tools. We've got contact management tools. No one uses them. Because they, they quite simply are too, they require too much effort for someone to engage them. And so oh, I use them. Well, you and I also just mentioned that we're on the bleeding edge of technology. You know, we, no, we I'll, know bet there's someone in the, I'll bet there's someone in the family who has all the information. I bet I know who that someone is most of the time. Sure. And, and then everyone else is, is, is disintegr- you know, has these little pieces of information. That might be a better way to describe it. There's usually someone who's kind of the gatekeeper of all this knows where the files are, knows where to, to find the stuff, but everyone needs it. You bet. Um, you bet. No, I agree. So I, I think, you know, not that you're asked, um, but um, you know, you're, you're using a lot of very generic things I think could apply to pretty much any kind of data organization company whatsoever. And you, I think you've got something pretty neat. Why not make it really human and just say like, you know, like I took my kid to the dentist and then they prescribed this thing. So I went to the the store and uh, the pharmacy and realized that I didn't have this this number I needed, which is silly. Like, how come I don't have that number? Well, everyone in the family can't have all of the numbers all the time, except yes, they can. <laughs> now they so, can all have all the stuff. Yeah, that'd be pretty neat. Absolutely. So Dan, now that we're done with uh, five minutes of telling you everything you never asked, what the yeah. F do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, um, it's, uh, the reason I called really wasn't to discuss uh, what we're doing. We're I, I'm I'm development <laughs> right now. Uh, we're building we're building a product. I've got uh, this is actually my third company. So uh, so what's I the was, question? The question is is really directed towards um, the definition of, of internet scale. I built a, uh, I was in a ten year company. A we just asked what the question level. is. But my my question is related to all this talk that I have uh, here in the Silicon Valley about internet scale. And with the exception of Facebook and Twitter, it seems like you know, this magic 10 million number uh, user uh, number is, is kind of a rare benchmark that companies hit. And yet that's only you know, 10% of the mobile market. It's a fraction of the overall internet market. And I, I continually hear this reference to internet scale, and I'm trying to get an idea of what people like Mark and other VCs really, when it comes to mind, when you're looking at products and you say internet scale, what does that really mean to you? So let me give you, uh, so I, I tend not to use that term, but I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to that term. Let me direct you, first of all, to my blog. It's called Both Sides of the Table. I think you know that. And yep. if you do a search in quotes on deflationary economics, it tells you my thesis on internet investing. And it's quite simple, which is Um, When you had systems where you had limitations on distribution or transportation of products, uh, it enabled you to operate with a certain cost structure. And that cost structure for traditional industry, uh, for historic reasons, remains high. When you can offer something that's deflationary and significantly deflationary, meaning you massively drive down the cost structure um, and you massively drive down the profitability Um, You really need to hit scale, like really serious scale, 
to build a huge business. And I think very large businesses are built on the back of the scale. And you've mentioned a couple of companies, but I would throw out Craigslist and eBay. Uh, I would throw out um, people like YouTube or even the scale that you see of a Yahoo or an MSN or an AOL in terms of portal distribution. Um, you see scale increasing at places like Pinterest and you see scale increasing in places like Instagram. And once you get to a certain scale and it reaches a tipping point, if you have network effects, meaning there's such a tight network that goes to a single place to do a single kind of transaction that popping up and doing it somewhere else becomes harder to do, then you have a business that's defensible. And when you're operating at quote unquote internet scale, let's call it 10 million users plus or hundreds of millions of page views, then introducing new product offerings at very low prices, even at low margins, produces enormous returns. And I think that's what VCs maybe are getting at. Well, that's, I, I guess that's, um, thank you, first of all. I mean, that, that's helpful. It's also, at the same time, a little confusing when you see the kind of daily barrage of the next Me Too app for the last eight months that's been produced in the same space and trying to figure out how the Silicon Valley, because again, I, my, my last venture was not built here. I, I bootstrapped it, did all my own, and, and trying to learn this environment. But Dan, Dan, I want to say like your language, and you have to be careful, careful about not coming across as a grumpy entrepreneur. Let me say this to you. 99%, maybe 99.8% of companies should never raise venture capital. Venture capital, it's a very particular industry. Overwhelmingly, uh, you can build very successful businesses that are not internet scale, um, that become 20, 40, 80, $150 million um, and don't have the same kind of return structure that you see on the internet. Venture capitalists are raising money from other investors, institutional investors who expect certain returns from us. And to get those returns, we need very big wins. At GRP, the partnership that I work at, we have produced 15 companies that have exited north of a billion dollars. And you don't exit at north of a billion dollars unless you're operating at scale. So just because our industry is structured to try and find a huge outsized returns doesn't make, uh, first of all, doesn't make that right for most entrepreneurs and it doesn't make it bad. Now, the second part of that, which is me too businesses, well, that's just a function of too many VCs chasing similar ideas, and that's always going to happen, and that's fine. I think the smarter VCs are never trying to fund idea number two, three, or four in a category, but define what they believe the next categories will be. Great. And I, and I, I hope I didn't come across as too miserably grumpy. I'm, I, this has been a big education for me up here. So well, you uh, know, another thing, a, a continuing that. Here's another thing to keep in mind, that you can you can actually do – one and then switch to the other if it makes sense. And in fact, that's exactly what happened uh, to me with WordPress Engine. The initial concept was this thing doesn't have to be big to make money. And in fact, we were cash flow positive, including everyone's salaries and everything, in seven months. And that's pretty fast. And that also showed we had a nice profitable business and something that enough people wanted. And it doesn't matter how many people that is. It could be a 100 or a 1,000, but that's enough to make a profitable business. Okay, as long as we've built the business that way. Um, and then we hired two people and got profitable again in another six months. 
And the, but the market we're in, which is WordPress hosting, is huge uh, because 10% of the websites on the internet are run by WordPress. So the, the potential market is enormous, even though we weren't really attacking it as a big market sort of a company. But as we showed, we had this solid company of product people wanted and so forth. We, it simply was an option to say, oh, do we want to try to grow much faster and maybe raise a little bit of money and, and use that money to grow faster, work on some strategic things that would uh, secure us some long-term competitive advantages instead of just having a uh, profitable uh, growing company that doesn't it, – it's good, but it doesn't have like overwhelming advantages over the com- competition – and we decided, yeah, we're going to do that. And then we did raise some money, and now we're doing that. Our growth rate has gone up literally exponentially um, as we did that, which is really neat. But we didn't have to do that. We could have decided not to do that, and then we'd have a company growing less fast but profitable. And so what? That's great. <laughs> so I guess it's just a long way of saying um, if you want to focus on who your perfect customer is and someone who will give you money because they have this pain so bad that, yeah, they're going to part with dollars to see it fixed. You don't need many customers to make money, maybe just 50 or 100 customers, and you're making enough money that this is your deal. And then you really can have your pick of of what to do. You don't necessarily have to know at the outset how you want to scale or grow the company if you don't want to. And so you you seem you sound you know sort of skeptical of, of well, I can see these big successes uh, through the sort of go big, go internet scale, but I can also, you know, you've bootstrapped a company, so you can see all those things, and you're sort of skeptical of the VC side. I think that's all healthy, and you don't have to choose right now if, if you don't want to. Well, and Jason, I'm, I'm, we're certainly leaning more towards what you said. I mean, I, I but I've, I've been slowly establishing relationships in in the VC world for that long-term potential. And sure. so that's why I've, that's, and Mark, that's why I've reached out to you. I've, I've, I mentioned that once before. I mean, that's really our longer term goal is to make sure that we have some uh, relationships in line uh, if and when that opportunity presents itself to push. I'm, I've been trying to define some of these things for myself. And that's why I asked the question about what, how you guys define internet scale and, and as it relates to the VCs. But see, you may, it may not matter. Like, you know, Mark just got through saying it matters when either the margins are small or, or this and that where you need to multiply by a million for it to be interesting. But you don't necessarily have to build a company in which that is the structure. So, um, like in our case, if we are playing in a huge market, so even so, we didn't play toward a thing in which we barely scrape by with money on each one. And so we had to play in a big market. And in fact, it's almost stronger not to. It's almost stronger to say, look, if I can find a hundred families to give me, I don't know, nineteen bucks a month, forty-nine bucks a month, whatever, um, for this stuff, well, if I can get a hundred to do it, well, you know, there's a million families around the world that would want this. If I can just get a hundred, the market's there. All of a sudden, you've proved a lot of stuff. I say proved maybe in quotes, but actually, I'd like to ask Mark, like, sort of across the table that way. Does that make sense? Like, if you if you see someone going, hey, I sort of built it for. I wouldn't, maybe you could call it profitability, but showing traction revenue. And now I'm ready to scale it big. And I don't know if I should still charge, but does that evidence, even if it's just 50 or 100 people, but in a big market, is that super interesting to you? Or do you want to see that huge, that, that growth curve start to bend and you want to see that sort of direction of the company uh, and, and just getting 50 people to pay isn't interesting? So let me start with uh, a disclosure, which is I am a very happy user of WP Engine. I think the uh, great 
thing you guys did is step into a market that was unfulfilled and needed more players like you. I mean, my the, the reason I started working with you is I started by using uh, WordPress as his own hosted product. But that had great limitations because they restrict you from using JavaScript and therefore you couldn't do plugins. I then took over the hosting of that and started hosting at Rackspace. And the problem is my site kept falling down. I had denial of service attacks. I had people who came and hacked into the site through a known exploit in Rackspace and put... uh, changed my header to a Polish auto company. Um, and uh, and I just like, I, I, I want someone to manage all that. I just want to produce content. And so your offering as a customer, as a consumer really spoke to me. And I think that's some evidence for the market opportunity that you have. Let me talk more broadly, which is, um, listen, everyone always says the VC said I needed traction. And how can I get traction without VC? VC said I need traction. Let me tell you what you need traction means. You need traction is code word for no. <laughs> That's all it means. It means no. It's a very soft, polite way of saying no. And what it also means is I don't actually want to tell you no, because then you might be pissed off with me and not come back if you get that uh, aforementioned traction. What VCs are investing in, so VCs invest in different stages. You have seed stage, A round, B round, C round, D round. Those correspond with how much capital they want to invest at which price points. The later the round, the higher the letter in the alphabet, the more the expectation of real revenue, real customers, real usage, real traction. But What VCs are really looking for is a sense that the management team has extraordinary potential as individuals that have some sort of domain knowledge or some sort of technical or market or product or customer knowledge that other people don't have. And the VC has to imagine that the market that you're serving either has an existing market that's being served inefficiently or there's going to be huge latent demand for what it is that you're going to offer. And frankly, that's all they're really looking for. And even if they can't articulate that in their own brain, that's what they think. Now, the overwhelming majority of VCs are lemmings. And you've already said it yourself, Dan, is why do people fund so many Me Too things? Because it's far easier if I've seen four of these that each raise five or 10 million bucks from the brand name VCs to say this is obviously a good idea. Um, and I, I think people call that social proof, and I think that's a terrible investment thesis. Um, what I'm looking for is the quirky idea that I think no one else is thinking of, that no one finds sexy, but I've got an entrepreneur who's so passionate and knowledgeable about that area that they can persuade me that they're going to make that an opportunity. I'll just give you one example. I started looking at YouTube networks about two and a half years ago. Every VC I met in Silicon Valley was saying, we don't invest in content. We don't invest in video. It's a hits-driven business. But every entrepreneur I saw on the ground in LA here was massively trending up. 
And I started to develop a thesis that the future of content distribution is going to be different. It maps to the ideas of deflationary economics. And content production, I think, is becoming more predictable. And I think video distribution in the future is going to look more like the guilt group than it is going to look like NBC, meaning I've got a direct relationship with my customers and I send them daily curated things that I know they're going to enjoy and like or that they have self-selected. Um, and that is a lot more predictable of a business. And the reason I mention all this is every VC I know was cynical and I was seeing the numbers on the ground and I'm like, you know, licking my chops saying, here's an enormous opportunity that other people aren't seeing and isn't going to risk being me too. So Mark, what should Dan do? So he's, he's not sure which way to go. Um, what should he pursue and what should he do right now to progress the company and maybe, maybe intentionally delay uh, the choice, or maybe he shouldn't delay the choice. Like, what well, should he I'll, do next? I'll say this for public consumption because I've told this to Dan privately. I think twice already. I think first of all, you got to get a product live and in the market, um, and you're going to learn a lot from that and get a lot of feedback. Number two, I think you really need in your brain a really tight definition of an economic problem that you're solving. Um, and why that's going to be valuable. Valuable either because people directly are going to pay you money or because third parties are going to pay you money to reach your user base. And you've got to really have your head on straight about how you're going to acquire customers more cost effectively than other people are going to do. I would study the history of who's done what you've done in the past and why they failed because you and I both know that a number of people have tried to enter this category unsuccessfully. Um, so that's really the answer for me is you've got to find a way to get some developers working with you to ship your product, test it, learn some lessons. And from those lessons, you can begin to develop relationship with VCs to say, here's what I've learned. Here's what's working. Here's why we're excited. Well, and thank you for that. And I know just so I could follow up with you there, Mark, I, we have, uh, we have actually started coding. Um, we have a former very senior Microsoft exchange engineer that's, that's writing code now. So, um, yeah, that's I, I've certainly taken your your advice to heart, and we're in process on that. So as we get closer, I will certainly be in touch. And um, you know, it's it's everything you've said is exactly the track that we're heading towards right now. You know, the thing I took out of what Mark just said that really rang in my ears was a lot of people have tried this before and failed. Hmm. Now that's really really interesting. The fact that a lot of people have tried it means maybe there's something there. The fact that they failed doesn't mean you'll fail necessarily. But it does if you can't articulate why this time it's going to work. Because one thing if, uh, that everyone likes to hear as an investor is if maybe now is the time that the idea can uh, come to fruition. There's something changed. Now everyone has a phone. Now people uh, you know, understand these kinds of systems, um, et cetera. Now, now they're ready for it. Or you've got some new insight that none of the other people had, and that's the the thing. And you've got you know whatever um, a handful of people who, by their actions, are demonstrating that you're right. That is the one thing that just unlocked this. Um, otherwise, it's just really easy to lump you into that. Everyone's tried, everyone's failed, and you haven't really told me even plausibly why you'll not fail. And saying, well, well, this time I've got a senior Microsoft executive, you know, uh, developer. Ain't, ain't it. Like I, I realized you didn't say it was. It's just starting. But that's not it. These are all means to that end. So to me, I took of all of Mark said, and, and that's the thing that rang at me. Because if you don't solve that part, 
um, I think it's just too easy to lump you in with the, the folks that tried and failed before. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Great. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Good luck, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for calling in, Dan. Really appreciate it. And uh, hope to catch up with you soon. Thanks for listening to Smart Bear Live with Jason Cohen, brought to you by SoftwarePromotions.com. Be sure to visit SmartBearLive.com to listen to more shows and find out how you can speak with Jason on a future show. 